0: Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. So um, Brandon, let's go ahead and start off with the organization that you're currently working for and the work that you are doing um, for that organization, for that company, and what you're driving on behalf of the company.
1: For sure. Um, so currently I work for MKS2 Technologies. Uh, we're a service-disabled veteran-owned small business based in Austin, Texas. Uh, my role is vice president of growth. Um, so in that role, I drive the company's, um, objectives as far as opportunities that we pursue, um, and just overall growth. So, um, the target customers that we look to service, um, and the types of, uh, technical capabilities that we, we look to provide, uh, for those customers. Right now, uh, we serve the Department of Veterans Affairs, the Defense Health Agency, uh, as well as some Department of Defense customers, the Army, the Navy, um, Special Operations Command. So, we have a, a pretty good, um, Division of Civilian and Department of Defense work, Uh, and we provide services primarily in things like cybersecurity, software development, um, cloud modernization, infrastructure support. We also have um, instructional design expertise, uh, and the company also has a a standalone recruiting division.
0: Awesome, Brandon. Thank you so much for providing that um, overview. So, Tell us more about your previous roles at Army Contracting Command and certainly at the VA TAC. We're going to be focusing on uh, VA's t 4 NGs 2 or T4NG2, and I uh, wanted to get your perspective on your role uh, that you served at ACC and also at the VA TAC and how it's connected to the solicitations that were originally let and um, what we're what we you've seen over time. And what we're seeing today.
1: So I worked in, um, or it was the U.S. Army Seacom acquisition center at the time that I worked there. And that was uh, at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. And that was communications electronics commands, um, which was in support of the army and Department of Defense primarily. Uh, and I was a, a contracting professional there, um, a general schedule employee. Um, and I, I worked there as a civilian for several years and then. Uh, in 2009, the Technology Acquisition Center opened um, and myself and a number of folks from um, the Fort Monmouth Contracting Command moved over to the TAC. And again, that was that was early 2009. Um, so I worked there in the same capacity as, as a contracting professional, uh, first a contract specialist and then a contracting officer from 2009 to 2016 uh, when I left for industry. Um, at the TAC, you know, from 2009, uh, for that period of time, the very first iteration of T4 started, uh, it was issued, it was awarded in 2011. Um, and that was the primary thing that I worked on in the, the time before award and then subsequently uh, for a couple of years thereafter. Um, and then went on to do a couple different things in the TAC, non-T4 related, again, before I left uh, for industry in 2016. Um the very first t4 acquisition was uh very interesting because the the va it contracting um at the time wasn't uh well it wasn't terribly organized you know it was it was decentralized and uh, they were having some issues with um you know achieving success in their programs they they had some gaps in contracting and they were just having some some difficulty there but at that time the agency got um a significant increase in its budget um so there was some more ability to to centralize the IT buying, um, to streamline processes to make, um, you know, the, the sourcing um, of of services and, and technologies um, a little bit more strategic. So the first T4 contract was, you know, one of the VA's first enterprise IDIQs for IT services. Um, so at that time it was a pretty novel thing. Um, and the idea, again, the concept was the tech, tax- was trying to help to, to centralize, streamline, and structure the IT buying process a little bit so that um the outcomes for end users could be a little bit more successful um, and that there would be one you know sort of pulse that uh customers, end users program people on the VA side could come to in the TAC to understand how their requirements could be processed and things of that nature. Uh so at that time, you know, I believe we awarded to 15 original awardees um and during the the first term of that contract that, that first contract was a 5 year period of performance uh during that term we did onboard one additional contractor uh to make a, a group of 16 um and those contractors you know in my mind were very successful at the time in in helping VA to to modernize you know to to start uh injecting some innovation and really, the control of the program and help achieve its missions with the set of contractors at the time were viewed as, you know, best in breed. Um, rigorous, uh, evaluation process to get onto the vehicle. Um, and there was, there was a lot of interest for sure, um, from industry, you know, companies of all sizes. Uh, and at the time, you know, similar to, to now, you know, the mission of VA was to, um, you know, serve small business, particularly service disabled veteran small businesses and other veteran or small businesses. Um, so that, that contract went until 2016 when, uh, T4NG, um, T4 next generation was awarded. And I was not involved in the, the T4NG acquisition. Um, but at that time, T4NG came and that was a, a five year base period, uh, with a five year option period. So, you know, in effect, almost a 10 year contract. Uh, because the success of the first T4 was such that it made it evident that a contract like that was needed and there would be a, a continuing set of requirements uh, that could be leveraged under that contract. Um, a significantly larger number of contracts were added um, on that T4NG acquisition. I believe the original amount was 28. Uh, recently an on-ramp was done to add eight more. So um, that contract is is bigger than the first T four. Um and again because of the the need, we're at the point now where uh the government's looking to obviously do the T four N G two acquisition. Uh you know, one of the things that they've mentioned is that they've they've come up to the ceiling or close to the ceiling on the the T four NG contract and that's sort of necessitated an early competition of T four N G two. Um, you know, obviously being on industry, I'm I'm seeing the information just like everybody else is so um you know, I'm not, not on the government side for sure uh, prior, um, but the contract has, has evolved significantly. You know, as, as I mentioned before, the original T4 um, and T4NG2, you know, there's a very rigorous technical evaluation process that relied on on sample tasks and, and offers ability to um, absorb a technical question Solution, uh, put that narrative down on paper and, and submit it as part of their technical proposal. Um, those were short turnaround, uh, questions. So, you know, you tested the offer's ability to, to come up with something quickly, to be able to put a team together quickly. Um, also those, you know, first two iterations of the contract had a, a bit of a management focus also where, where the government wanted to evaluate how an offer would be able to deal with the volume of the T4 contract, you know, if they had multiple task orders and performance at once, um, just, you know, again, a couple of those management and oversight type things to make sure that there were controls and so that the volume didn't overrun the contractors. Before NG2, now, you know, we, we've seen the government has posted a draft RFP. Um, you know, they had provided a little bit of information prior to that, you know, late in 2022 about their intentions. Um, and now that we've seen the draft documents, you know, it's evident that they're going to rely on a, a self-scoring methodology for the evaluation as opposed to uh, the sample task driven technical evaluation that they have done in the past. Um, and the self-scoring points based methodology has become somewhat popular around government. You see GSA do it. Uh, NITAC did it for their CIOS p 4 competition. So that's become somewhat of a novel thing. It'll be the first time the TAC has used it on a T4 acquisition. I'm not not certain that they've used it on any other acquisitions either. So um, it'll be a new way that the the T4 contracts are are to be awarded. So for this set of industry partners who have been uh, accustomed sort of to the way that the TAC ran their source selections and the T4 work, this will be a a departure. Um, So it's it's a learning experience for a lot of us. The the draft RFP, like I mentioned, uh, provide a lot of information um, and they gave everybody the opportunity to ask questions, um, of which I'm sure there will be very many, um, you know, as draft RFPs go, uh, there's always, you know, some, some things that are, are still to be defined. You know, the government's still determining, uh, you know, somewhat of their, their direction and path. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I believe there will be a pretty significant amount of questions, um, and a lot of industry strategy to, to pursue the contract will, you know, be predicated by how the government answers those, um, you know, right now, obviously it's, it's pretty well prescribed that, uh, you know, based on an offer's past performance or an offer in their team, um, if they, if they allow teaming, you know, your scoring is is basically dictated by your past experience and how well, um, some of your past work experience and contracts fit into the scoring methodology that they sort of, um, you know, delineated here for us. So it's a little bit different than in the past, you know, where again, the government would, would give us as industry a, a technical problem and then we'd have the opportunity then to, you know, put our best solution on paper and, and give it to them to be evaluated. Now it's, it's kind of the opposite where they've determined a pricing or a, a points based system. So it's really, you know, we will, industry will score based on the work we've done in the past. So it's, It's not really that we're seeing a particular requirement or a particular problem statement and responding to it actively. Now, Um, this is all sort of a summation of work that has been done before. And, you know, as the draft RFP looks at the moment, it doesn't seem to distinguish whether it's past PA work, past work in other agencies, um, anything of that nature. So again, you know, maybe they'll clarify that, maybe not. Uh, It might just be a sort of different method that they're using this time. You know, a lot of industry particularly a particular lot of those who have supported VA for some time, um, definitely have a lot of questions and, you know, there's there's a different type of strategy for sure in pursuing this type of evaluation. It definitely opens up the pool of potential offerors um, to a much larger contingent of, of contractors. Uh, it also opens up to uh, a large amount of uh, folks who have done work outside the VA in the past um, who may not have considered VA It's sort of uh, it gives a little bit easier barrier for entry um, to all those types of companies. So, you know, I I imagine it's going to be a pretty significant competition. You know, they mentioned there will be 30 awards, um, roughly half of which, you know, will be for for service disabled veteran owned companies, uh, small business companies. So, you know, that's, uh, there'll be a lot of competition for, you know, those 15 service disabled veteran owned small business spots um, as well as the other 15 large spots. Um, So definitely, you know, the, there's an industry day upcoming, um, and at some point, I'm sure the government will answer uh, all those questions that were submitted. Uh, and those two things would be, um, you know, extremely important for industry just to sort of understand what our strategy for uh, proposing on the um, T4NQ2 acquisition will be.
0: That sounds great, Brandon. So uh, in closing, you talk a little bit about um, innovation um, previously on the on the first contract that was let so past present and future uh for the va um how can companies bring or what is va looking for in terms of companies bringing innovation um to the organization that you've seen over time and then how could how should companies prepare themselves as they're uh getting ready to respond to the sure. t 4ng2 yeah you
1: know i i think um va and you know the VA, the agency, as well as its, um, you know, the group of contractors who've supported for, you know, the last decade or so, I think have done a good job in being open to, you know, modernizing the the technologies, the tools, the the service offerings, uh, that have been done. And I think a lot of that has been, again, the agency leadership being open to ideas and innovation from industry, you know, learning what, what best practices are and, you know, even, you know, what, what some of the, the things offered in, Um, you know, the commercial world might be that can be adapted to the, the government need. And I think the contractor community has been uh, very good understanding the agency's mission, uh, where it wants to go and then providing, you know, on the one hand, both, both the foundational services and sustainment that, that keep the agency running, but also, uh, the technologies and, and the different things that they believe will power the agency's mission. Um, you know, since the first, T4 contract, for sure, you know, we've seen significant changes. You know, the agency has moved to a, to a cloud infrastructure. Um, you know, they've adopt, adopted a, a DevOps or DevSecOps uh, methodology around a lot of the service offerings. Uh, those things, you know, simply weren't, um, weren't around during the first T4. Um, and I think in that time, particularly in comparison to some other agencies, you see the VA move pretty fast um, in, in putting some of those things in place. Um, you know, modernizing the tool stack and modernizing the use of, of some SaaS products, some commercial things. Um, so I, I think there's been a, a good amount of, of collaboration and understanding between industry and agency again about what the mission is and how we can best, um, how we can best provide expertise and things to, to push that forward. Um, for sure, innovation, um, on both you know if, if we look at the t four contract the t four m g contract um you know you can see evidence of of many business, particularly ones that were very small um, you know coming onto those contracts and having great success um, in in being agile uh in being economical in being good partners to the agency uh, so you 've seen a lot of of particularly small businesses grow into extraordinarily successful companies um even you know obviously to the point where Um, you know, at present, uh, you know, both contract, uh, you know, the T4NG contract, uh, really, you know, lends itself to a lot of, you know, merger and acquisition type activity where, you know, prime contractors become, um, you know, desirable targets for other companies because they want to be able to add the capabilities and things that those companies have demonstrated, um, you know, and have had success with through VA. So, for sure, in performance of, of the T4 contract, the T4-NG contract, and ultimately T4-NG too, um, just that ability for the government to articulate their needs, um, for their, you know, ability to be open with industry in exchanging um, information, you know, doing market research, and then industry's ability to both provide the government with, um, again, best practices, um you know, different, different innovations that, that companies are looking at, uh, ahead of acquisitions so that those can be built into agencies, um, you know, forecasts or ideas for what their mission or could utilize. Um, and of course, you know, the, all that helps with being able to contract for these things effectively. Um, you know, the T4NG2 acquisition itself, you know, as we mentioned, um, because it's point based, you know, frankly, it really comes down to a lot of the math exercises based on somebody's past performance. You know, so at the IDIQ level, as it stands right now, um, you know, this competition is going to be um, compiling all the appropriate things to to meet the agency's points based objectives. Uh, so, you know, there, there won't necessarily, or at least as it's written now, um, be a significant innovation component for the T4NG2 acquisition to get onto the IDIQ. But for sure, in performance, ultimately, the agency is still going to be looking for all those things from its group of contractors. So still very important for every contractor to really understand the missions of the different customer segments and lines of business and the agency that they're looking to go after, um, you know, and really be able to figure out a way to help those business owners and end users sort of achieve their mission and, and push all that forward. So that will still continue to be, um, you know, very important in performance. Um, and again, really just, it takes the awareness of the contractor community, but also the awareness of, of the agency to understand some of the strengths and weaknesses of their contractors. Um, and, you know, to allow them to plan out, develop their programs appropriately and then be able to contract for them. In a way that makes um, for the highest rate of success for both them and the contractors who are supporting them.
0: Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today and providing your perspective. We really appreciate the time you've taken to to share the past, the present, and the future of T4NG.